So when I had my eldest daughter, Georgia, I had her by accident. She was a surprise. And Caitlin was, was a surprise, but less of a surprise. We were living together. We had Georgia. We had a house. We had everything we needed to have, but I didn't plan to get pregnant. And then when I had her, she was ginger. And I don't like ginger. <laughs> And my eldest daughter went, Mummy, you've had a ginger baby, you don't love her. And I went, no, no, I do love her, I do love her. I adored being a mum. I absolutely love being a mum. It's the best thing I've ever done. It's all I ever wanted to do. And yet, with Caitlin, it just never... It just didn't feel the same. She didn't feel like you wanted to play with her or cuddle her. She wasn't very cuddly. She didn't like noise and didn't like strange things. My eldest daughter had that one of those bouncy things, you know, that you jump up and didn't like that, wouldn't sit in that, wouldn't sit in a chair. I don't remember doing things with her, or I don't remember the same feelings that I had with Georgia. She doesn't bring out the, the warmth in you. You don't feel that you get that back. She didn't endear herself to me. I always wondered whether it was because she was my second child. I was the second child and I always thought that my mum and dad loved my sister more than they loved me, like you do. And I just wondered whether it was just that it was different. But it was only when I had Ruby, my third child, it made me think that actually no, that it was something, I don't know, I just didn't have that connection with Caitlin that I had with the other two. As she got older, she was odd at school. They went on a school holiday, and when she came back from the school holiday, the teacher told her she would never take her away again because she'd been a nightmare. And she just didn't fit anywhere. She didn't really have any friends. She was obsessed with things. She could name you any music from the first two bars of a song. You just played the beginning bit, and she would tell you what it was, and I thought she was really clever. We used to joke when she was a baby that she would kill us when we were older, that she would murder us. We used to say that we'd be lying in bed at night and she would come in in the night and we'd think, oh, my God, one day she's going to come in with a knife and kill us and then go, oh, but I love my mummy when I'm dead. And then we had a dog that I adored called Animal, who was my baby. He was my first baby. And he died, and I was beyond devastated. And we all sat in the house, and we were all crying. And Caitlin came in and said, uh, Mummy, what are we having for tea? And I said, Caitlin, it's really not a good time at the moment. And she said, no, but I'm still hungry. I still want my tea. Just because the dog's dead doesn't mean we have, can't have tea. If you can't bother to cook, then we'll have a pizza. So I was like, OK, fine. So I googled lack of empathy, and that's when I saw autism. 
the more I read about it, the more I knew that that was what was wrong with her. I knew that that was what it was. I'm quite good at burying my head in the sand. I'm very good at just ignoring feelings and stuff. But I didn't really want her to be labelled as anything. I didn't want her to be different. I didn't want her to not fit. So we did nothing about it. And then when she went to high school, she was bullied awfully for the first six months. And she hated it. She was dreadful. She cried. She said she was going to kill herself. She was as miserable as could be. They have loads of days at school where they do different things and she just, she just couldn't cope with it. She's got epilepsy, so when I went to see her epileptic consultant, I spoke to them about it, and she said we'd refer her to CAMS. It's the children's mental health people, and within about 10 minutes of being in the room, this woman said, you do know your daughter's autistic, don't you? My husband was horrified, horrified, and he said, no, there's nothing wrong with her. They do an assessment called an ADOS, which is an autistic spectrum questionnaire. One of the things they made her do was look at books with pictures of frogs and they've got faces, human emotion faces on the frogs. And they asked them questions about the emotions of the frogs. Caitlin just thought it was all stupid. She used a stupid book. She gave me this stupid book to look at, she said. I had nobody really to talk about it because nobody else really wants to talk about it. Nobody else really cares or they don't want to know. My mum and dad didn't really want to know. They don't like to think of me thinking of her as any different. Damien didn't want to think of her as any different. In fact, when they said that she had a disability, he nearly fell off the chair, which I thought was quite funny because really, she's the same person. It doesn't matter. It's just a label, isn't it? It's a name. You would never know if you met her. If you met her for five minutes, you would never know there was anything wrong with her. You'd think she was perfectly normal, but she's an absolute bloody nightmare. She ah, she drives me insane. She's the wildest, oddest child ever. She gets something in her head, she's obsessed. So she was obsessed with pugs. All she wanted was a pug for about ten years, and it's all she ever talks about. She has pug bedding, pug mugs, pug everything. I want a pug. So we bought her one eventually and gave in. It had to be a black, it had to be a boy. So we spent ages trying to find her one. And we bought her it for Christmas as a surprise. And we videoed her when she opened it. I mean, she was beside herself. But yet she never plays with him. She never talks to him. She has nothing to do with him. She tells everybody she adores him, but she's never taken him for a walk, ever. She doesn't feed him. She doesn't take him out. She doesn't do anything with him, but she just thinks she likes him. But she doesn't really. She doesn't understand what liking something really is. My husband Damien left me four months ago. I think she was a big catalyst in us not getting on because we both see it so very differently. He sees her as being naughty and she's not naughty. She's just, she just has issues. He's aggressive and violent towards her because he can't, he can't bear her. We fought about her an awful lot over the years. I was just about to go out and get a Chinese for us and we had a big argument and he walked out and Caitlin came downstairs and said, we are still having Chinese, though, I'm telling you now. So, OK, Caitlin, we'll still have Chinese. And she's just moved on. She's oblivious to the fact that he's gone. In fact, she doesn't want us to talk about him. She says, why are we, talk- why are we talking about him? And I thought initially that maybe was because she was a bit upset or a bit, you know, because it's change. No, I don't want to talk about him because he's not here, she says. He doesn't live with us anymore. So why are you still talking about... Why does everyone keep talking about Dad? 
She's not seen him for four months, and as far as she's concerned, he's left her life, and that's the end of it. In fact, she's moaning about the fact that he's not moved his clothes out of the wardrobe because her wardrobe's full, and therefore she wants a bigger wardrobe, and I won't buy one. So because I won't buy her a bigger wardrobe, she wants to put her clothes in his wardrobe. I don't choose to spend time with her on just her in the same way as I would with my other two. So I would go out for tea with my eldest daughter and we would chat away about all sorts of things. We'd talk about everything. I wouldn't do that with Caitlin. She had a fit the other day when I was at work. She FaceTimed me to tell me she'd just come to on the floor and she didn't know what was wrong. And I came home and there was a big puddle of slaver all over the floor. She was sat on the settee and I went to give her a hug and she's just, it's like there's nobody there. And then it all just was a bit awkward and it was just like, do you want me to stay, Kate? And she went, no, you can go back to work now. So off I went back to work. Whereas if that had been one of the other two, I would have stayed. They would have wanted me to stay. She just doesn't have that same touchy-feeliness about her. I love her. Yeah, I adore her. I love her quirkiness. I love the fact that she's just a bit odd and she's quite funny. She is funny. She cracks us up. She sends verbal messages on WhatsApp constantly all day and absolutely just creases everybody up. I make everybody listen to them at work when she's effing and jeffing. She's comical. She's absolutely comical. And I laugh about the awfulness of her as well which probably is part of the fun of it is she drives me nuts but I find that quite funny as well so yeah I do love her but it's probably taken me a long time to work out what that is because I don't love her the same as I love the other two it's just different and that's okay it's okay to be different isn't it it's okay to love your children differently The one thing I would have liked was I would have liked some support for us. I think that's the one thing that's missing. I think had somebody spent some time with us and how we felt, because actually we're the ones that are going to support her, we're the ones that are going to get stuck with her for the next God knows how many years. And I think, yeah, no one ever asked, no one ever said to me, oh my God, and how do you feel about that? Never, nobody did. I think from a family perspective, my mum and dad were really sad. I think they felt a little bit guilty. And it's just because she is not normal, isn't she? And that's... I think people don't like that, do they? People don't want to talk about it. No-one wants to talk about it. No-one wants to talk about your child being a bit different. So no-one ever asks. No-one ever, ever has asked me about how I felt about Caitlin. And I don't choose to tell people, but I think if somebody had asked, I probably would have. And I wonder whether I've hidden a lot of it because of the fact that you try and keep the peace, don't you? You try and make everything right. That's part of being a mum, isn't it? Part of making sure that everybody else is all right. And probably therefore didn't think about how I felt about her. And now it doesn't really matter, because now she's 17, she's successful, she's happy. So I probably haven't done that bad a job of it, really. Thank you.
and now she wants to dye her hair brown and I won't let her because I love it because it's ginger. <laughs> what would life be like without Caitlin? A lot less stressful. I would be a lot more chilled. My blood pressure would be better. But it probably would be quite boring. She is quite funny. She is quite entertaining. She's very much part of us. She's a, a, a different part of us. She brightens the day. If you want cheering up, you can speak to Caitlin. She can't see the bad in any situation. She sees the good in everything. Life would be awful without Caitlin. I don't envisage life ever to be without Caitlin. I think she'll be the bane of my life forever. She's an important part of my life. Just a different important part of my life, I suppose. This podcast was produced by me, Eva Krisiak. The assistant producer was Oliver Morris.